I think I did my first message behind the pulpit when I was 17. I even remember what the title was and what we talked about. And from there, I would either speak with youth or college and career and then services. And in all this time of, of teaching the word, I am just so fascinated with it. But there was a period in my life where I kind of went, I kind of got this stuff figured out. I know what that doctrine is. I know what that doctrine is. I know what this doctrine is. And I kind of went, And then it wasn't until I began to repent and say, God, forgive me for my pride. I want you to teach me your word. That's when my life radically changed. And so I love the word. I hope that you find a love for God's word. The last month, if you have been listening to the messages, God has got me on a doctrinal bent. And if you want to learn doctrine so fast and not have to go through three years of seminary or cemetery, seminary, um, just get the last months and you will learn so quickly um, how to really learn the New Testament. So before we get into this word, I'm getting ahead of myself. We always pray for our leaders. Father, I thank you right now that you said to pray for leaders. So we pray right now for people who have influence in our country, for mayors, premiers, prime minister, father, for healthcare leaders, for business leaders. We pray over our educational leaders, professors, teachers, school, father, arts, entertainment, every area of influence. We ask you to raise up leaders after your heart who love people, who father in the name of Jesus stand for truth and nothing but the truth and the whole truth. Father, who will rise up and stand for people and not be selfish and self-centered. And father, we, ask, we declare and we prophesy over this country that we have leaders that lead us into the future with the blessing and the favor of God in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I know it was last Sunday or the Sunday before. Um, usually, I'm, usually I speak about six times a week. You only hear me usually once. So sometimes I forget what I'm preaching. I say, well, I enjoyed last Sunday's service. And I'll go, what did I talk about? And they go, you don't remember what you talked about? Well, that's because I'm in the studio doing messages and I'm in kingdom builders doing messages and I'm in business things doing messages and staff meetings. I mean, the list goes on. And I love it, but that's why sometimes I'm thinking, now what did I preach on? But I want to talk to you about the hidden man and I did, a, I think it was last Sunday or the Sunday before, and we dove into the word of God to explain that you are not what I see, and I am not what you see. I am the hidden man, and you are the hidden man, the hidden woman. The New Testament is very clear that you are not a body, you have a body. Bible's very clear that you are a spirit, Yes, you have onboarded emotions, thinking, reasoning. And all of three of the parts of you have a voice. Reasoning is the voice of your mind. And the more you reason, the less of God you'll learn. Reasoning is great for the managing of the physical world, but has no ability to access the spirit world where all the power of God is. And so it's just fascinating to me as I look at the hidden man, and recognize that according to the word, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the nature of God comes into your spirit. The last time we spoke on this, I said, Adam and Eve were born again in reverse. They were in the garden. 
They were told that if you want to follow God, then do it. If you don't and you want to follow your own decision making, what you think is right, what you think is wrong, um, you know, don't eat of that tree. It was just a decision. It doesn't matter what the tree was. It was just a decision. They made a decision to decide their own decisions about what's right and wrong. And in doing so, the nature of God left their spirit. And they became connected in a horrible way to fear, to doubt. They became connected to everything demonic, everything from the dark kingdom. Now, does that mean they were bad people? No, not at all. You know, because people say, well, you're saying that I got, I got wonderful uncles and aunts. I'm telling you, I have had so many beautiful people and still do in my life who are not born again. So that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when you read the word, Adam, after he made the decision, didn't learn fear. See, people try to say, well, fear's learned. Well, I know it can be learned, but he didn't learn it. It was an instantaneous connection from his spirit to the spirit realm to fear, and he hid from God. He was shuddering, worried, condemned, guilty, wouldn't even answer God. And that's the perpetual state of people who are not born again with the nature of God. The nature of God is filled with courage. The nature of God is filled with peace. The nature of God, and I, and I talked more about this in the first service, but I want to kind of move on. Jesus said that he was going to give a peace that the world didn't have. So if you're born again, you have a peace the world doesn't have. They have situational peace. You have a state of peace. He said that he would give you a joy that was unspeakable and full of glory, a joy that was his joy that the world could not take away either. And so the world has happiness, which comes from happenings, but they do not have the state of joy that is flowing out of your spirit. You have the wisdom. Jesus is wisdom to you, Corinthians says. And so as you gain knowledge, he'll connect all the dots for you and teach you and lead you in the way that you should go. As you gain knowledge, he'll produce the wisdom. It's a Every line I'm talking about here is a stunning teaching. Hundreds of hours of this is what the word says. So when you look at your recreated spirit filled with the nature of God, and then you go back and look at how fast Adam and Eve lost that. Instantaneous doubt, fear, condemnation. I'm not good enough. He wouldn't even appear in God's presence. Man had lost his approach to God. And just so Adam wouldn't eat of the tree of life and live forever in his sinful state, God put flaming swords and angels around the tree of life and removed Adam from the garden. Thousands of years have gone by, and mankind just degrades. And even if you are good in your performance, and even if you are good in your actions, deep inside is this vacancy, this disconnection that everyone's trying to fill. And whatever your gifting is, you'll try to fill it with your gifting because of the sense of feeling good. Or if you have found a pleasure, that you enjoy, you'll try to fill that with those pleasures. But when you eat, reach the end of those pleasures or your giftedness, it's almost suicidal how people are forlorn and broken on the inside. 
And so whenever we talk about the new creation, I think one of the things that irritates me is people who think they know the Bible because they can quote the doctrines. I am born again, and you know, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, and I am sanctified, and, uh, and they quote all these things they learned in church, but they haven't got a hot clue as to how it got there. And learning the details is where you build stunning faith. Learning the details is where the word begins to work on the inside of you. And so when you study the word, for example, you'll notice that even the teaching of Jesus and how he got miracles is different than because Jesus got the Jewish, um, the Israelis miracles off their old covenant, other than two. He got them miracles based on the old covenant. And he would talk to them about believe, only believe, have faith. After the day of Pentecost, when thousands of people had reborn spirits, we do not find the teaching in the Bible telling you to pursue faith or to go get faith or try to build your faith. It basically talks to us about getting the word inside of us and the result would be a trusting in faith. So faith is not the power source. Faith is just a look at how trusting God. And so his word is absolutely crucial. Now, before there was a physical world, there was a spirit world. Before God ever created the atoms, um, the molecules of the physical world and the five senses, there was and still is a spirit world that has beings. There are angels, fallen angels. There's different kinds of angels. We've got warring angels, worshiping angels. We have throne angels. Um, and, and God, the Bible says God doesn't tell us everything. It says there's some things he reveals and some things he's hidden because you don't need to know it. But you and I will have enough in the word to live our lives successful in all that we do. So the spirit world had words before the physical word world had words. Are you with me so far? So God spoke words and the physical world came into existence. And so mankind, devoid of God's presence, only uses reasoning communicative words that have sounds and you can write them down. But that's not the words that are in the spirit world. In the spirit world, when words are communicated with, they carry such power. In fact, what they carry, according to the Bible, is zoe life, Z-O-E, which is the life of the person that gives it. Ladies, when you have a baby, you know, from the physical and the mental, you have given life to this. And both you and that biological husband have given life to this. And it will have your thumbs, his nose, uh, you know, different things. And when words are spoken from a recreated human being, you have the potential to begin to release a greater and greater degree of Zoe life. Now, a person without Christ cannot release it. I'll give you a story. In the Bible, they talk about the seven sons of Sceba, S-C-E-B-A. Now, these were um, seven exorcists that traveled around the countryside trying to cast devils out of people. They were not born again. And the Bible goes into a very clear description that they could see Paul in a word one time he had this woman that was, every time he walked around the marketplace sharing with people, this woman would follow him around and start screaming, this is a child. And she was actually telling the truth. She was just 
disrupting everything until finally one day turned around and told her shut up. And the, and, the, and the spirit that was controlling her was gone. And she couldn't tell people's fortunes anymore. And they got so upset. And so they saw him with a word control the, 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 the negative spirit world. Okay? And sickness, disease. It says that any apron that touched his skin is the inference there, a handkerchief, that if you were to take it, it actually would heal people. And if you laid it on a demon-possessed person in, at home, it would leave them. There's a whole nother dig into that one. But these seven sons found a demon-possessed person, quote-unquote, and said to him, um, we adjure you, evil spirit, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches. And this spirit speaks out through this guy and goes, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who you? And it says that he beat them up. One guy on seven sent them running, clothes ripped off, blood. I mean, we don't have all the details, but one man took out seven and sent them running. And great fear and respect for the name of Jesus hit the city of Ephesus. When a born-again believer uses the name of Jesus, which, by the way, the name of Jesus is got as the legal side of it. It's the power of attorney. Whenever I'm the power of attorney for a family member or etc., I'll just you know sign a check and I need to put POA, and they've got the court documents, and I have access to deal with all. Power of attorney is what using the name of Jesus is. So he, they tried to use the name of Jesus, and there was no power because their spirit man doesn't have the nature of God. Now I'm saying all this to say if you've given your life to Jesus Christ then you are a stunning, incredibly, supernaturally powered human being. And in your spirit is everything Jesus is. The, and the Holy Spirit's job is to get the nature of Christ from within your human recreated spirit into your life into your emotions, into your mind, into your imagination, into your business, into your marriage, into your kids, into your generations, into the influential part of your life. See, God doesn't see success the same way you do. You could have a lot of money, but no one respects you, so you have zero influence for the kingdom. You could have a title that makes you a prime minister or a premier, and no one could respect you. So God's ability of, of bringing you into leadership and influence is completely different than the way the world measures it. And so when you begin to realize this incredible power that's on the inside of you in your spirit, you now must work with Holy Spirit and the Word. Those two is what causes. It's almost like well, that you know you have a mind, a brain, uh, reasoning abilities, you have a body with physical desires, and you have a spirit. And in your spirit's everything you'll ever need, every miracle, every healing, everything that protects you. This is the spirit of God within you. Now I want to preach for two hours one day and just unpack it, but what was I just talking about? My brain just had a colliding thought. So Holy Spirit's job is as you begin to take in the knowledge of the word, Holy Spirit connects it all for you with what's called wisdom. So it makes you wise beyond your years. But the work is to just feed on God's word.
And the Bible says that the word in Thessalonians works mightily in you. In 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it says those who have believed on Jesus and who are in the word, the word is at work in you. If you deal with negative emotions like fears and anxieties and envy, jealousy, pride, sickness, disease, the word working in you, okay, begins to push that out. And the word is working mightily in you is what the King James says. In Hebrews 3.17, it says that when you hear the word, if you do not trust it and mix faith with it, meaning I choose to trust the word of God, it says it won't profit you anything. There are people sitting in churches all around the world that are bored out of their tree and, uh, and they don't mix faith with what they hear and so it doesn't profit them at all. There's no change. The word is not working mightily in them. So instead of pursuing faith, as some kind of a goal where I just need more faith. Don't do that. Just get into the word. And God's word begins to work mightily in you, which is what you're doing right now. And then in Acts 19.20, it talks about a city can have the word of God growing and prevailing as it goes from person to person to person as they share the real gospel. Few people know what the real gospel is. A guy approached me one time. All right. He says, I, I love what I hear you saying. I just need to know before I commit. What can't I do? He says, every church seems to have a different list. Now, here is where church has gotten wrong in the last hundred years, or more than that, is that we think we have to tell people what they should stop doing before they can come to Jesus. But that's not the gospel. The gospel's not what you do. The gospel's what you receive. And the only thing we can find in the gospel is to choose Jesus, to believe on him as your Lord and Savior. So I've had guys say, I mean, I've had really awesome people have a chat with me and say, you know, I love what you have to say. I'd love to come to your church, but I am not going to be a hypocrite and sit in that church. Show it telling everybody that, uh, you know, I don't do this, 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 and this. Because I know right now I'm not going to stop my nightclubbing. I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to stop the fooling around. I'm, I, and I might as well be honest with you, Leon, because I'm a man of my word. I respect that. And I say, man, I like you already. However, church is not for people who've got their lives disciplined. He goes, it's not? I said, no. In fact, getting saved has nothing to do with your performance and your discontinuing wrong things. It's not? I said, no. It is and only is an acceptance of, of the sacrifice Jesus made for you and say, okay, I received Jesus. And you have a new nature. You don't have to teach a pig how to roll in the mud. You don't have to teach a horse how to whinny. You don't have to teach a dog how to bark. You don't have to teach a snake how to slither. It's instinctual. It's in their nature. And so why in the world would we have a whole list of rules for people before there's even a nature change? That doesn't even make sense. And then once you have the nature change and Jesus is alive on the inside of you, you don't lose his nature because you sin. Now, I wouldn't take that too far. But that's like saying, well, you know, if a pig mistakenly chases a cat, it switched to a dog. <laughs> no, 
But what's beautiful is that when you are become born again and there's a nature change in your spirit, and as you let the word of God begin to come in, Holy Spirit works with his word to change your desires. This new nature wants different things. You begin to realize that all every pleasure out there, God designed it for good. Getting high, God made, do you think God didn't understand drugs make you high? It's just that it's a real low level compared to the joy of the Lord that gives you an incredible high that is sustainable and doesn't make you hug the toilet in the morning while you woof your cookies. All right? The peace that some people take drugs for or a glass of wine, then three or four to kind of calm them down. There's a peace that the world can't give, none of its substances can give, that is just yours. And so you begin to realize everything the world wants, the passion, the risk-taking, the adventure, the joy, the laughter, the love, the sex, all of these things created by God, there's a good way to have them, and the bad ways destroy you. They destroy your marriage, they destroy your kids, they destroy your health, they'll destroy your faith, they'll destroy your mind, your emotions. So God's just loving you saying, hey, you want all this stuff? I've given you some ways to have this. You can have your cake and eat it too with God. So the issue is this nature that's in your recreated spirit. Now, Jesus is called in John 6.33, the bread the bread of life, Zoe life. So that's a very clear distinction being made here that you can't look at bread and go, isn't it beautiful? I love you, bread. You're amazing. I worship you, bread. You're just incredible. Nothing's going to happen. You have to eat bread. He's being very clear. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the living Word. So if there is no meditating or reading of God's word, then there is no eating of the bread of life. So your spirit man is alive with all of the presence of God, the power of God, but you haven't retrained your body. Your body's kind of like a dog. You know, retrain it. Well, it's so powerful. No, it's not. It doesn't hold a candle to the power that's in your, your human spirit with the Holy Spirit that's in there. There's not an addiction that can stand before it. There's not a sickness. There's not a disease. There's not anything that would try to kill you or harm you that would ever be able to stand before the presence and the power of God that is in your recreated spirit. Let Holy Spirit guide you. Get into his word and let his word begin to work mightily on the inside of you. And deep on the inside, it's like there's this great big tap. And as you learn the word, you're just cranking this tap open. And out of your spirit, man, is flowing peace and healing and prosperity and joy and peace and wisdom, all these things that are in Christ begin to flow and manifest themselves in your physical life, your mental life, your emotional life, even in your reasoning. And according to the Bible uh, in Galatians 5 and over in Romans chapter 8, that your flesh will always fight against your spirit. Isn't that interesting? Why? It's living in a world and it's been marinated in all this evil culture. So you gotta train it in the word and keep it under submission. What well, sounds so hard? Easy as pie. It's not hard at all. And uh, if you can't, then you're just short of the word. Well, I don't have enough faith. Well, then you don't have enough word. Well, I don't have enough ability. Then you don't have enough word. Well, I, I just can't see myself doing it. Need vision? Need the more of the word. The word of God 
is the absolute phenomenal, incredibly stunning, awesome thing. There's a Roman soldier, a centurion, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 8 and 10, who had a, a servant that was in great pain and very sick. And he must have loved this man as a friend because he came to Jesus. And this Roman soldier said, you know, my, my servant is sick. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And he interrupts Jesus. And he says, no, I don't need you to come to my house. Just speak the word. And Jesus I have not seen just great faith in all of Israel. And he spoke the word. And that same hour, his servant was healed. He understood that as in order to have any group of any kind of grouping of power, like a soldier, an army, a platoon, you have to have an ability to move authority down through the power. And so where's that authority placed? Well, the authority is placed in words, spoken words. When the devil came to tempt Jesus, you'll notice that angels didn't appear and slap the devil around. Now, they appeared and strengthened Jesus later. Do you know what completely eradicated and destroyed him? Words. Words. And the devil thought he was smart too. He quoted the Bible. You know, when you're down, you'll have some dumb message you heard in years past that was religious and condemning will come up to your mind. Verses will even come up that'll try to condemn me at times in my life. And I've recognized that Holy Spirit will never condemn me. He'll always try to show me who I am in Christ. And so when Jesus said to the devil, it is written, bam, and he said it is written every time to help train you and I that the written word of God, which is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to 40 men over 1,600 years, they didn't write what they wanted. They wrote under the instruction of Holy Spirit. So when you read God's word, it is the same as God standing there and speaking it to you. Someone said to me, does God ever speak to you? I said all the time. Well, no, I mean like in an audible voice. No, I don't want that. Well, why not? Because that's easily phonied up. I've heard people hear audible voices in their dreams and their daydreams and their drunkenness and, and their depression, their oppression, everything else. No, I, I, I love the word because the word is to you and I. It is alive. Jesus said the words that I speak unto you are spirit. Pneuma. It's a wind, a spirit wind, and their life. The wind covers everything, man. When Jesus said to him, it is written, and he tried two more times, he left him. When Jesus said, Lazarus, arise, he needed to say Lazarus because the, the power of God would have picked up every dead body in the area if he wouldn't have specifically said Lazarus. When Jesus, when God spoke, he created. When Jesus spoke, he dominated what was already created to show you and I how to have dominion. So this thing about God's word is so stunning that how could religion get it so bad? How could they bore us to tears and just keep telling us to be good and never deal with my new nature? As a teenage boy, when all the hormones started kicking in and, and uh, you know, I had, I had a friend who told me that when his girls turned 12, he's putting them all on the pill because everybody sows their wild oats. And I said, that's not true. He said, yes, it is. I'm not taking any chances. I said, no, it's not true. My mom and dad taught me as a child who I was in Christ, that I had the nature of God was on the inside of me. The things I'm teaching you, they taught me when I was, before I was a teenager. 
And when I became a teenager and all the hormones went into overdrive and, and I'm on basketball teams and traveling with track teams, the, you know, the nation and other nations and competing and the partying is off the charts. And if you're an athlete, you can't party with drugs. All you got left is a little bit of alcohol and lots of sex. I had this ability in me. And it's not that I even had to work it up, but what mom and dad had taught into me as to who I was, not what I could and couldn't do, who I was. It kept me. And every time the greatest temptations would try to draw, because they pull on everybody, even Jesus was tempted. He'll tell you that in the Word. But there was something in me that, that's just not me. That's just not me. And I want to encourage you in training your kids in God's Word. Don't just bring them to church and hand them off to a, to a Sunday school. We've got a great kids program here. But the issue isn't what can your kids do and what can't they do, okay? That should be a quick look through the Word. But first, before you cover that, you need to cover who are you, your identity, and that you are filled with the presence of God. I run into so many Christians who are in addictions courses, and they'll just say, I've tried everything when it comes to prayer, and the Word of God doesn't work, so I, I'm, I don't, great, I don't care if you use AA or some other great things to help you deal with your self-control and your behavior modification, because that's better than nothing, man. And I'm never going to knock some of those programs. I think they're great. But there is a place where the presence of God in your human spirit, as you feed the word, it'll begin to release self-control, Galatians 5, 20 and on. It'll just grow so powerful that you are in control because of the spirit of God in your recreated spirit. There's a love, there's a joy, there's a peace, there's an enjoyment of life, there's an ability to look towards the future, there's an ability to say, hey, nothing's taking me down. God, fail me? Really? I hadn't even considered that one. Like, you just literally begin to change on the inside as the word of God that you feed on, as the bread of life begins to work mightily in you, and people will see it, they will notice it, it'll change your marriage, your kids, your generations. It'll change their ability to pick spouses and everything else. Why? Because they see a genuine joy, peace, romance, laughter, all the good things that God has. And so all of us need to be reparented because none of us had perfect parents. And the Word of God will do that for us. God's Word is alive. God's Word is amazing. And my time is up, but I just really wanted to get this across to you. You can't separate Jesus from the Word. He is the Word. The Word is Jesus. I, I mean, I can't even figure that one out. I just take it as it is that when I read the Word, I'm fellowshipping with Jesus. When I read the Word, it's Jesus that is speaking and showing. And there's something inside as I'm growing up in strength. Not physical strength. I have a hidden man. You have a hidden man. You can have all the muscles you want. Be the most pathetic weakling on the planet. Because there's nothing coming out of your spirit because you don't spend time in the Word. And so that's the challenge to us today. It's not hard. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you get born again, you enter the rest, the cessation of all your physical desires to try to please God and get his power through your own works. All that is done, but religion brings it all slamming back into our lives and it keeps our spirit man at bay. When Adam, I'll close with this thought, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and became kind of their own gods, the presence of God left their human spirit and their human spirit's ability was locked up. And they had to learn 
their five senses, and they had to live by their five senses. They had to see, is there a lion around that tree? They got to taste that food. Is it poisonous or is it good? They had to smell for fires. Am I downwind or upwind? Um, they had to, to touch something. Is it sharp? Is it dangerous? Their five senses took over from what they knew via the Spirit of God and their human spirit. And so the human spirit of a human being felt locked away and unavailable until you get born again. And all of a sudden your spirit has arms and legs and, and power and ability, but it's still held back by will you check into your inheritance? You know, if a rich uncle died today and said, yeah, the guy's a billionaire, you're in the will, here's a book this thick, you'd read it by tomorrow. You wouldn't go, oh, you know, haven't got timely on it. It's just it's all Greek to me. Okay, no, you wouldn't do that. You'd go hire a lawyer, sit down, teach it to you face to face. You'd go get somebody else. You'd do anything you could to find out your inheritance. And the Bible has an inheritance so profound that all of the things that you desire in life are at its disposal, especially an actual relationship with Jesus. So let's treat the word as the most amazing, incredible thing. And as you begin to hear it, just start practicing it. Practicing it is the corresponding actions you need. That faith begins to, to move when, because faith without works or corresponding actions is dead. So remember that. Satan is overcome by words. He's whipped by words. You can break temptation with just words. You can prophesy to your future. You are a self-fulfilling prophet. And many of us are sitting around wondering, well, how do I do this? Well, Jesus said in John 15, 7 to 8, if my words abide in you, you can ask for anything. Well, Leon, no, this is blunt as the nose on your face. There's nothing he's holding back. I just want you to be inspired by the word. Take this message and listen to it, you know, once a day and go back and, and feed on these things and recognize that religion will kill you. It'll destroy you. It'll mess with your mind till you're so depressed that, that there's nothing worse than a depressed Christian because they think they've tried it all. And if it needs healing, the Spirit of God can heal that brain. If it needs, you know, vision, it'll bring vision. Whatever the issue is in your life, the Spirit of God in your recreated spirit is stunning at flowing into as God's Word begins to work. Father, I pray today that you touch each person here, that, Father, we'd have such a value for the Word of God, that we would just look at it and go, wow, this is going to unlock everything within me that as I, I desire to do and to be. And I pray we'd fall in love with Jesus all over again. Today, for those who are saying, Leon, I'm not sure that I'm born again. I'm not sure that the presence of God's in my Spirit and well, if you're not sure, then he's not because it requires a believing, it requires a choosing. And so, I'm going to lead everybody in this room in a prayer of giving your life to Christ and everyone watching. And if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, it's a choice only you can make your mama, your papa, your grandpa, your wife, your kid. No, no one can do it for you, only you. He made you a unique being. So, if you'd like to be included with every head bowed for just a moment, say, Leon, include me today. I'm giving my life to this Jesus. Just open your eyes and wave at me real quick and say, just include me. And all across the auditorium, we're going to pray together. All right, thank you, others. Anyone watching, wherever you are on the planet, just pray this prayer as we lead you in. Let's all pray together. Just say, dear God, dear 
Thank you for sending Jesus. Who died in my place. Took my sins. My punishment. The curse of the law. Died in my place. And then gave me his new life. Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. That's awesome.